Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Merge Nine Golf Podcast. I am Mike Maroney alongside McLean Boyd and Jay Woodson. Gentlemen, you guys all healthy? Um, yes, I am healthy. Got over a nasty little cold last week. McLean, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Good. I know we, 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 we apologize to our listeners for no show last week. We had some uh some ailments we'll go with. I like that. Yeah. We'll go with that. We'll just leave it there. Um two of our hosts were down last week, down and out in some form or fashion. So count. Uh no show, but we're back. Uh in just the ruckus off season slash fall season slash whatever the hell we're in the middle of here with with the PGA tour. So uh, gentlemen, what do you what are you guys sipping on tonight? Uh, nothing fancy. Russell's Russell's uh reserve here. Ten yeah. year. Like it? Pretty easy to go to. I like it. I like it. I am on some seventeen ninety two, my go to. Mm. There you go. That stuff is good, isn't it? That's like so easy drinking. It's so easy. I find myself spending like 10 or 15 more dollars to because I'll just love trying new stuff. I mean, that to me is the most fun part about bourbon drinking is just going and searching new bottles and trying something new. Yeah. Trying something new. But the chase, man. Everybody loves the chase. 100%. But then on the backside of it, it's just like, man, I can grab this 1792 for like $32. And And you you know you're going to like it. Enjoy every sip of it. Damn right. I like it. I I'm I'm boring. I'm not drinking tonight. Sorry. Okay. Well, I don't even know why we do this segment if only two of us drink. But well, whatever. It's two thirds. Yeah. You know. So <laughs> I just didn't. I just didn't. Just didn't feel like drinking tonight. No, no. Just uh, good. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Make us feel bad. Fine. Whatever. No, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm. Jo- I'm joking. <laughs> I just, just didn't. Just wasn't. Wasn't feeling it. I had a long day. I didn't sleep well. Long day at the golf course. And, mm. uh, you know, another Monday, another Monday, so golf, golf pro holidays around the corner, gents. It's coming. Popping bottles that, Saturday night. When is, uh, the, the clocks turn back with the on seven s- on Saturday. Oh, is it Saturday? The fourth. Yeah. The fourth. Okay. Oh, it's yeah. going to get dark here at like four 30. And, and it's, it's never great, going it? They're never going to go back to daylight savings. It's done, in, at least in Virginia. It is? Yeah. And the, when the spring comes, they're not, time is not changing. It's staying right where it is. Really? Which is I weird. Wasn't, yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we, unless they unless they change it again. But this, how, do, they, how do logistics work? Everyone else changes. We're not going to change? I, I, I think it's, well, there's a couple other states that don't do it at all anyway. Like Indiana, Arizona, Utah. Arizona doesn't sound here. So I don't know. I mean, I was under the impression it was more than just Virginia. I think okay. it's almost all, right. all of them. I'm yeah. going to have to look into that. Look into that. <coughs> so I, uh, I did, I did have a, I made myself a terrible bourbon drink while we we're talking about drinking real fast the other day. So I'm a big apple cider guy come fall time. Oh, oh no, you went apple cider bourbon. Yeah, it was not oh, good. Yeah, it was gross. <laughs> I I poured it out. Like, what well, was it? Know, just straight bourbon and apple cider, nothing else. Like, that's it. Yep, I didn't get creative. <laughs> didn't look up a recipe. You know, I was I was in the grocery store the other day and just walking by. I'm like, oh, I have a big apple cider display. I'm like, I love this stuff. I grab it. I love <laughs> apple cider. I love bourbon. Do not like them together. <laughs> I took two sips and I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm pouring this down the drain. Sorry. <laughs> it was it was pretty gross. So I would recommend if you're going to do any kind of spiked apple cider, find some sort of recipe and don't use bourbon. It's my public service mm. announcement to the listeners. Mm. So, all right, let's let's get into a little a little PGA Tour action. So two weeks ago, we didn't have an event last week, no event, but two weeks ago we had the Zozo championship in japan i'm sure nobody watched much of it or if you did it was tape delayed since it was on the middle of the night on the east coast here but uh big name win there wasn't a lot of big names in the event i'll say the 
field was rather light. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not not much. He was one of the two or three big names in the field, and he won by six with the final round, 63, which is pretty pretty impressive. And he, he hit on it. I kind of wish he's very guarded in a lot of his answers he gives in the media, and he talked about something he hit on earlier in the week with his caddy on the putting green, but didn't say what. And I would love to know, because uh, as we know, that's that and his chipping can be his his big issue. If you looked at his stats from a ball striking standpoint um, this past season, they were like actually like one of the best of his career, but just didn't get, you know, the high results, didn't win, hasn't won since the British, uh, was, it, was it 27 months ago? So it's been kind of a, a long drought for him. Really? But 27 it, months. I think it was 27 months. Yeah. And hitting it well. But... Um, hit on something with the putter and, and made a bunch of stuff. And as we've talked about, these great ball strikers, and they just find that one or two weeks a year where they get hot with the putter. And they, they dominate. That's all they need, and they dominate. So I don't know. I would I would love to know what what they hit on. It's not like it's he's giving away secrets and someone's gonna be like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that and do it. Well, that might not work for you, you know? Like yeah. I don't know if he's worried about Rory or Rom or someone, you know. Yeah. But he could. I mean, I guess it could help someone. But yeah, it's um, funny. We, I was actually on that kind of trend. Not really about Morikawa, but like my my dad just bought one of those, you know, uh, Odyssey Bursa Jailbirds. You know, he's like, all right, this. Let me give this thing a shot. So he had it, and he's putting with it. It feels pretty good. But I mean, that's a perfect example. Now, now you're not going to be able to hide your putter. Uh, everyone can see what you're using. Yeah, but. Yeah. It's amazing how many guys, you know, switch to that putter because Ricky had success with it, and then they had success immediately after. Like, there's, there's got to be something, something to it. You know, it's like, you know, you don't want to give away any information, like you said, with Morikawa's kind of keeping his whatever, well, his, you know, his uh, whatever strategy putting wise, he's keeping it close to the vest there. But there's also the sense that I think when you start talking about what you're working on. Um, there was a yeah then it then it loses its magic there was a it was an old an old golfer that i can't remember the guy's name it was a famous golfer but he kind of said something along those lines he's like if you find something that works you know hold it hold it close it's like don't let anybody know it's not that you're not trying to you know help anybody else it's just that once you start talking about it and you make it you know i guess you send it out through the through the universe, then all of a sudden the the magic seems to fade, you know. So, and I, I think, I think we all can probably agree with that. Like you, you play a couple of great rounds, like oh, I'm just doing this, I'm doing this. This is my one or two little swing thoughts. And the next round you go and play, you're like, mm, that's gone. <laughs> Shouldn't have said anything. Should just let it ride. But I don't know if it's you know him not trying to, you know, divulge and give us any insight, or if he's just like, hey, I want to kind of ride this out as long as I can and see how it works. I think I did that in this podcast a few weeks ago. I said, I think I'd found something. I didn't say what it was, but then I'd lost it immediately after I said that. <laughs> it's gone. Gone. <laughs> I know that feeling. Right. I've, been, I, I've been so on top of the Joe Mayo stuff right now. Like I'm just, just so deep into it and I love it. Uh, with the, we're, yeah, I think all of us are, I think I'm just interested in the, like the, the banter, the back and forth, like, I kind of like, you know, what he's saying. And I think it makes sense. Do I think you need, everyone needs to do it every time on every shot? I think, and he, he, he really, it seems like he can't handle negativity coming his way, especially on, on Twitter. I mean, you know, you, you know him, Mike, from the, what was he, the Trackman Maestro or, or something like yeah, that back in the day? a history. And, yeah, and he just he gets on Twitter and he just likes to go back and forth. He can't just let things be and like make a statement and then just move on. Like he has to respond. Yeah. So yeah. So to get for, to give the the listeners a real let's get into this. This was on our agenda yeah, later down the yeah, line. Yeah, let's get, get into give it. Give them so the backstory on what to, what's to going give on. our listeners if you if you're not in on this like the three of us are. Um, Joe Mayo, short game instructor. We've talked about him before. He's kind of revamped Victor Hovland's short game and has had tremendous results. And Joe Mayo is a fantastic teacher. He was Trackman Maestro. I don't know if he really has quite an active presence on Twitter anymore. He's more of an Instagram guy now. 
but you know, he he was the first one to really dive into the numbers of TrackMan and what they all mean and how they measured and how it affects you know what's happening with the golf ball. And he he just he has very strong opinionated views, and he feels most of the time that his is his way or the highway. And so he's now taking that approach with the short game and has basically been put out a whole bunch of series of videos talking about how the best players and the best way to chip and the only way to chip and pitch the ball is to, on your backswing, start leaning your weight towards the target to your lead side and then getting your bottom of the swing arc well in front of the golf ball so your angle of attack is... 10 degrees. 10, 11, 12 degrees down. And so that has caused a bunch of other short game specialists, gurus, instructors to come out and say, well, not really all the time. Yes, you can hit certain shots that way. And, and there's been this huge back and forth on social media. And no one ever says each other by name. But Joe, you can clearly say Joe's referring to these guys and these guys are referring to Joe and it's um, you know, I actually had a, a, a chance to sit down and, and meet Brad Faxon last week and have a couple beers with him. And he was on his way out to Scottsdale to work with Parker McLaughlin, who is former tour pro now short game guru has the uh, handle short game chef on Instagram. And they were going to record some stuff. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if they've put it out yet, but they were going to record some videos to kind of debunk some of Mayo's philosophy, if you will. Well, my whole thing behind it. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. No, no, go ahead. My whole thing is like there's there's multiple ways to skin a cat, right? There's not one way that's absolutely perfect. I personally feel like when I chipped my best, that was how I was chipping. And since I lost it and you know quit playing with any sort of frequency over the past few years. Chipping became the worst part of my game when it was, without question, the best part of my game. And naturally, I was always steep, chip with a, a kind of low spinners and every single shot, more so than necessarily one would ever teach. But the, to me, that was the comfort zone. So when I started listening to him, this kind of made me feel like I was allowed to do that and i tried it and all of a sudden i felt myself get into some natural movements and make some hit some shots it was like oh i remember that feeling i feel like i used to be able to do this with some level of success and i started finding you know the center of the golf club again around the greens and the thing that i struggled with was trying to eliminate shaffling get more shallow and i was flubbing more than i was hitting good shots i mean i was i was digging the club um I was having a lot of trouble around the greens and since listening to him and, and, you know, digging into what he's been saying, it's like, wait a second. All right. I, if you guys have played golf with me, I picked the club up in my backswing. I just, I kind of lift that club quickly. I've done the same thing around the greens. That's the natural takeaway for me. So for me, it was always a little bit, a little bit, um, you know, steep with some shaffling. I always had my hands pretty far in front of the golf ball. And that was how I always chip. So for me, it allowed me to, or it really kind of freed me up to not try and do what people would normally teach in golf. Because before Joe Mayo, this wasn't really a theory that people were out there saying, yeah, get a lot of shaffling, get real steep with it with an open face. Well, that's kind of how I used to do it. So in going back and trying to relearn basically the short game, I was naturally very little shaffling, shallow, you know, and, and it just, I had a lot of trouble doing that. I don't think that, that's the only way to be successful. I do think it is a a good way to be successful. I do find it funny that so many people are going out of their way to try and debunk his theories when ultimately what he did with Victor Hovland should obviously worked. I mean, it, when you take a guy like that and you turn him into a world-class uh, short game player around the greens, it's like, Hey, what? It's it's hard to get in the way of that. Like it's hard to say that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about or that it doesn't work for that player. I don't disagree that there are many other ways that you can do it. You've seen a lot of players be successful hitting a variety of different shots around the greens and different techniques around the greens. I just find it funny that they can't accept that and say, "All right, well that's Joe's thought. You can go Joe's way. Well, I teach it this way." And we see 
this guy, this guy, and this guy be successful on tour using that philosophy and that technique. So it, to me, I just think it's funny that guys can't accept that. And I, I agree that Joe puts it out there. He's pretty you know, aggressive with his thoughts. Say, hey, this is how you get this done. I don't necessarily think that that's the only way to get it done. Yeah. No, I I, I agree with you. I think I was kind of intrigued by it. And I, I kind of, I, similar to you, McLean, I would, it's funny when you're growing up playing and you find success in one area of your area of your game. And then all of a sudden someone tells you, oh, no, you can't do it that way. You know, because that's not the right way to do it. And I'm like, oh, well, it's it's working for me. I'm doing well with it. Why do I have to change? Well, that you you're not going to be successful. That's not going to hold up under pressure. You need to do it this way. I'm like, okay. Then you start trying to do it the way that everyone says you should, and you struggle. And then something like this comes along. You're like, oh, I, I can just you know put the ball in middle to back of my stance for a standard pitch shot and hit down as hard as I can and spin the heck out of it, and I can control the ball. Yeah, you can do that. So I, I, I do think that a lot of this, the the theory that he has, I shouldn't even say it's a theory, but his strategy and, and what he's trying to uh, portray and get across to people, I think it makes sense. The one thing I think that I think where he lacks, I think he lacks uh, social skills, unfortunately. I think he lacks personable uh, he's not very personable. He lacks the ability to communicate. I don't think he's a very good communicator. If he would just say, hey, guys, this is a great way to chip for a, a beginning golfer who's struggling with contact. This is going to help you tremendously. Now, we can have some variations of this for different shots around the greens, but he's just he comes across so hard and so adamant about this is how you do it. And then he comes back. People will argue with him. He's like, I never said. I never said, I never said, that's what he always kind of keeps doing. I'm like, well, then just say it, just say, Hey, I don't, I'm just you, this is one way to do it really well for people who struggle. This is going to get you back, you know, on the, off the snide and hitting some solid shots. The the delivery is, is not great. And I think that's where I think people like get irritated with it because he comes across so strong and so aggressive with his theory. Um, But there are, are a lot of, there are a lot of positives to it. I mean, I think, it does make a lot of sense. And I mean, I've kind of played with it a little bit myself. Same thing with you, McLean. I'm like, I used to put the ball, you know, I really needed to hit one solid. I used to put it off my back foot and I used to just hit down. I knew it was going to hit, take a divot and I just hit it, hit it solid. And I, and it worked every time, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but the only thing, again, I'll let you comment, Mike, but some of the times he contradicts himself quite a bit, which I, that's the part I have a hard time following. He's like, look, you can hit down, no divot. And then he shows a video of, of Jordan Spieth hitting down pretty hard. And we all know Jordan takes divots with like a 30 yard pitch shot. And he's taking, you know, you know, $2 bill size, you know, divots. And he's like, look, one of the best in action. And I'm like, wait a second. You just told me I should hit down and I should never take a divot. Like here's Jordan Spieth, one of the best short games of all time. And he's taking big, big sod chunks. He's just laying them over. I'm like, he's saying, that's great. Like, I don't know what, which, what do you believe in? (laughs) Jordan's well, yeah, really good at hitting ball first. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what it comes down to: hit down, hit ball first. Yeah, yeah. I think there's just. I'm not saying Joe's wrong. I think Joe's right to the standpoint that it is a good way to hit some shots. Yeah, in certain lies in certain situations. I think grass and lies play a huge factor on how you're going to hit a chip or a pitch. It, it it it's the determining factor for me when I have a shot. It's Okay, how's this ball sitting? What what is the lie? Am I into the grain? Am I down? Especially in Virginia, hitting off a lot of Bermuda. You know what? What are we doing? What does the the shot dictate? Then yeah. I go to okay. Am I gonna try to use the bounce and have a more neutral shaft lean, or am I gonna use the leading edge and dig it and and go yeah. after it? it? It's there's no much, to me. There's how much no green. Do you have to work with? You know the yeah. lie. How much green do I have to work with? Do I? You know, is it? I'm not hitting onto a green that's sloped down and away, or I'm hitting back into the back into the grain on the green. I mean, there's so many factors that determine how you hit a certain pitch shot. I mean, I wish you could. You know, we have TrackMan. I wasn't trying to interrupt you. I'll let you finish. No, we good. have TrackMans. This is the only thing I wanted to say. We have TrackMans for guys hitting shots off the tee. It'd be really cool if they all of a sudden could have some of these TrackMans around, like. Watching Tiger, obviously, we're not going to see him much anymore. But some of these other guys with great short games 
have a track band on these guys when they're hitting these pitch shots and be like, oh, wow, you're hitting this little, you know, flop shot over the bunker. Oh, you were only three degrees down out of the rough because if you hit down, the ball's sitting, say the ball's sitting two inches above the ground, the actual ground in the rough, at, and you try to hit down on it 10 degrees, you could easily miss the ball. Yeah. Easily miss the ball or hit it so high on the face that the ball goes nowhere. Yeah. So like that, that doesn't work out of the rough all the time, you know? So it's, I, I just wish he would preface the shot saying, Hey guys, a standard pitch shot from 30 yards with plenty of green to work with. This is your best shot. This is the best way to play it. You know, that's well, most of his, most of his videos have been all, uh, and they're either off a of mat or off a of fairway. Off a of fairway. Yeah. You know, I'd love to see him put some of his students and record these videos out of out of rough. And so, I mean, there's there's tons of guys that have done it kind of his way, right? A Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, Phil Mickelson are guys with a lot of shaft lean, leaning edge, digging the club into the ground and not afraid to stick it in there. Yeah. And then there's a then there's guys like Steve Stricker, Matt Kuchar, Jason Day that yeah. are no wrist tinge wide shallow neutral shaft lean you know so there's yeah there's multiple ways to do this guys you know it's not yeah. just joe mayo's way or the highway yeah it, it can work in certain times and I, I i will say i used it on the golf course i struggle and i mean i shouldn't shouldn't struggle that much anymore considering i've been in the cell for so long but grainy into the grain chips still yeah. bother me right and so yes. I said I had one off the green the other day, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just lean the shit out of this and just stick this club in the ground. And if my follow through is four inches, it's four inches. Yeah. And I hit it pretty damn good. It came out low. It took one hard and spun like shit and checked up. And the guys in my group were going, oh, sit down, sit down, sit down. And like it just checked up like two feet behind the hole. And they're like, whoa, you know? And so, yeah, it can work. And Part of it is feeling comfortable with digging it into the ground and not having yeah. that nice fluid fall through. I think sometimes yeah. people can get too caught up in the look of it versus that yeah. I hit it solid and it go where I'm looking and it spin. Yeah, you know, and you so can I make this. You can make the same exact swing, uh, or the, let's just say you have the exact same distance the same pin, the same setup, everything's the same, and you hit a shot into the grain on Bermuda, down grain on bent, and I can not make a single, I can't ruffle any of the, the blades of grass on the down grain bent shot, and I can take a huge gouge out of the end of the grain out of Bermuda. Yeah, That's not anything, I'm not changing anything with the type of shot I'm hitting, I'm just it's two different types of grass. It's just how the club's going to interact with that grass. Club, club interacts with the grass. So it's um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's fascinating. I just I think with with all golf instruction nowadays is there's no one way to do it. It's what works best no. for you. What are your tendencies? McLean has different tendencies than I have. Part of that's where we both grew up, you know. And I grew up on tight bent and had to use the bounce a little bit more, and he could get away with using some, using some leading edge and. So I mean that's why I look at Scotty and and Jordan, Texas boys, right? Yeah. Stick that leading edge in the ground. Just get, get ball first, ball first, ball first, ball first. You know, Jason Day grew up in Australia, and so yeah, I think that that can play a factor. And it's it's how do you, again, for our listeners, if you're going to take anything away from this, figure out what certain lies do and how it reacts with your club. If you don't understand that, and that goes for really any shot in golf, if you don't understand what yeah. the club's going to do when it hits the ground, then yeah. good good luck to you. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd agree with that. Um, but you know, it it is fun to kind of follow, and I think I don't know if this is his goal, but he certainly has created some buzz. And I don't know if his goal was to kind of disrupt to to create, you know, some followers or. I follow him because of what he did with Victor Hovland. It obviously worked, so I'm intrigued by what, you know, what what can what what he's saying. But if it were just him arguing back and forth, and he had no clout and no background to say, "Hey, this works," I would just, you know, 
and pay no attention to it. But because he's worked with Victor and he's had some success, you're like, oh, what is okay? What what's going on here? What are they doing? You know, it's obviously working because he obviously was one of the worst chippers on tour uh, by a long shot. And now he's obviously watching him, you know, in the last three months, four months, he's, he's made it a strength. I mean, he's hitting some great shots. Um, and and there, so. there's something to be said too, about the shot that he's teaching is the sexy shot. Yeah. You know I, mean? I mean, a bump and run and roll it up there and judge your speed really well. It's cool. Good shot. Good up and down. Lying it three quarters of the way to the hole. Stopping it on a dime. Just ripping the absolute cover off of it. That's sexy. Yeah. I mean, that's fun. And I think there's part of that's the reason why, you know, I probably chipped that way growing up as a kid. You know, that was the shot that I wanted to play. That was the shot that you're like, yeah, watch this and just hit that ripper in there. You know, that was always what I, I enjoyed doing. Um, and, and we all know as kids, all we wanted to do was spin the golf ball. You know, oh, yeah. Especially early on when we were still playing with before the pro V when you were just hitting these balls that would spin back 12 and 15 feet. I mean, that was all you wanted to do. I mean, you could do that with pitch shots. I mean, yeah. you get a pitch shot and rip it back. Yeah. It was, the, it was, those things were so soft. It was the absolute best. So, you know, there, there's something to be said about it, but I think ultimately, you know, you touched on it a second ago, Mike, where there are a lot of different ways to get it done. Go down the driving range, look at the full swing. The full swing, guys, it, it's it's different from every single player. There's no reason why that can't be the same thing with chipping, that guys can't still be successful with that. I mean, even in putting, which is what I would consider the closest from player to player throughout the bag is that the putting stroke is going to be pretty similar. Some guys are flatter. Some guys are more upright. Some guys putt with an arc. Some guys putt more straight back, straight through. Um, it's all about getting back to that impact position. Um, are your hands a little farther forward? Sure. Are your hands a little farther back? Sure. You can be successful with both, but I personally like what Joe Mayo's done. I think it's very tough to argue that his way doesn't work. Again, I'm not saying that it's the only way. Oh, sure. But it's very difficult to say that his way is not a a technique that you can be successful with. I, I think there's a, you know, but when you get down to it, I know there's a lot of different ways to do it, but I think that the, that if you were to kind of, you know, look at all of these, the guys, the way they pitch, I think majority of them pitch away in a way that's closer to what he is saying for the most part on standard pitch shots. I think that's, again, like I said, I think he's not a great communicator or maybe he's doing it on purpose. I don't know. Maybe he wants to create like some disruption, but. I think if he would just explain this and just say, hey, I'm showing you a way that majority of good players hit these this specific type of pitch shot, uh, they're going to have more success doing it this way. And if there's any variation of this in terms of a little bit of ball position, a little bit of face uh, face angle at address in terms of loft, but they all kind of s- spin off of this baseline. If he were to at least portray it that way, I think people would – maybe not kind of give have such a such an uproar when he does his you know his his videos and his um i don't even know what the patreon webpage whatever he's whatever that is um but but yeah i mean to your point mclean yes there's there's a lot of ways to do there's a lot of ways to chip but i do think obviously we all know there is a better way to chip um that's a little bit more consistent and for the most part, and it's the same thing with putting, like, you know, it's like you see one guy really opens the face and closes the face a lot. And then you got the, the other guy has a pretty s- simple arc and not a whole lot of face rotation. I mean, you know, if you look, if you give me a hundred guys that don't have a whole lot of face rotation and a very slight arc, and you give me a guy that has a, a ton of arc and a lot of face rotation, the 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 guys with the 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 slight arc and less face rotation they're probably going to putt better because the face stays square to the target longer you know so and there's something similar to pitching like if you don't hit down on it enough and you're a, a guy who for standard pitch shots you you don't hit down enough then you're probably going to hit you know more shots that are not as as consistent not as solid so I mean, I, I definitely agree with where he's going. I just think that the delivery and, and explaining the process of what goes on behind it is is not it's not all there. I think it, it's a little confusing to the to the listener. That's all. I, I, I disagree with that. I do think it might be it edges on the side of 
a method maybe for a little bit more of a skilled player as well. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's kind of one of what Parker McLaughlin's thing is. And he one of his posts, he was like, you know, I want to, you know, give the player a little bit more margin for error and manage their misses. Um, which for most people that play golf, that I would say that is that is correct. It, it might not be the low, spinny, sexy shot, but it might be a little bit more of a higher percentage shot for a certain player of a certain skill level. Agreed. I'm, I'm actually. Also, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna. I know I said I was gonna do this a couple weeks ago, but I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna text Parker right now, and I. I we can get him on the podcast. That would be awesome. Just because I know he just worked with with Brad. You said he just went out there yesterday or two days ago. Uh last week. Yeah, it would be pretty cool because this. I mean, I've I, I played with him, and he's a, he does have an incredible short game. I mean, that's that's his claim to fame. He didn't hit it very far. Um, Obviously, he would be the first to admit that. And but he's a you know played on the PGA Tour for a long time, and obviously a great player. So I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll throw a shot in the dark, a dart on the wall, see if he uh, see if he responds. I'm also curious to see if any of these 3D guys get involved and measure this club a little bit more. And because when you when you watch Joe's guys do this and in, in the videos that he shows, yes, they're leaning left as the club goes back. But as they start down, the lead side kind of stands up and the club kind of lengthens. It's really hard to explain without any visuals right now. But I'd, I'd be really curious at what the the arc doesn't stay consistent is what I'm trying to say. If you ask a 15 handicap to lean forward and stand up and hit down. Go. Yeah. like <laughs> Mike, go teach that. Well, something I think you absolutely have to have with Joe Mayo's technique is you better have some good hands because you gotta you gotta get steep and then present the bottom of the club. I mean, you 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 can, it's very easy to still dig that leaning edge into the ground if you don't have the right amount of face manipulation and you're not throwing that club head. Like it, it's it's tough to say throwing the club head, but ultimately retaining the angle and using that right hand just enough that it allows you to pinch that golf ball. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I I I mean, I enjoy this shit. You know, I was uh, on Instagram the other day, and uh, a couple of instructors that I followed did an eight minute video, and I, I, you know, my kids were being loud, so I went to the other room. My wife's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm watching a golf video. I'm just nerding out here. Just let me nerd for a few minutes here." You know, it's uh, <laughs> it, I just I just eat it up, and I, I just love hearing other people's opinions and different takes, and it's uh. There's, there's there's not as much right or wrong black and white as some some of these instructors want us to make it out to be these days and so it's uh always good to hear different different opinions and different viewpoints and even a different way to say the same thing in all honesty yeah so um what else do you want to get to in the world of golf do you guys catch the live team championship <laughs> there's a the weird cru- pause there the crushers just i think it might be uh, america's next dynasty um the four aces are the- done four aces dynasty is already over it's over it's already over. over what about the um what about the qualification process for the uh the little event they have first first week of december Try- they're tr- trying hard to earn those they're uh, trying work. hard they've kicked out what three people and there's it's it's the the tournament is for three spots yeah literally and they're inviting all these people that like if you're if you're top 20 on the PGA tour top 10 on the corn ferry top 10 on the the asian tour top 10 on the sunshine top you know 10 on the dp world of course like you're trying i don't i'd, I'd love to see the field size of this event though i mean i do agree that they needed obviously they needed to do something to try to give them some legitimacy some sort of try perception to, of yeah to to try to earn some world ranking points but i want to see how big this field is it's a it's not even like a, there's no qualifying process it's just like here here's this tournament it's, this is how you qualify only three spots um we'll see I, i'd be curious to see how many guys actually sign up and how big that big that yeah i'll be curious is. to look at the names of who of who does it it'll be be interesting i'm i'm looking forward to the live hut stove though you know like are we gonna get some trades 
you know, like my Majestics guys, what are we doing with the three captains? We got to, <laughs> you know, we got to stir the pot. We, we've got to do something, you know, Matt Wolf, he's going to be on the, he's on the trade block. Brooks fucking hates him. He wants to trade him. Yeah. What's he going to get for him? Is he going to get a future first rounder? Is he going to get, <laughs> that's right. Is he going to get a shag bag of balls? What, what does he get for trading Matt Wolf? You know? Well, how about the fact, you know, let's talk about the relegation. You know, Chase Kepka's out. The brotherly Sorry. deal's over. Sorry, uh, buddy. What was it? The final, I'm trying to find the past, the last three guys. Oh, uh, here we go. It's James well, this is, P.I. This is, the part, this is the part that's that's odd. So you have two captains that are exempt. So Martin Keimer and Lee Westwood are exempt. You have Jetta Morgan, James Fiat, Chase Kepka, and Scott Kim, someone Kim. Oh, um, no, that's she what's won, his. She won Kim. She won Kim. Kim. Yeah, he's the one that can really break eighty out there. Yeah, so they're all out, and it's like, well, that's not getting covered as much. I, I, I want to see what happens with these guys. Who, who do they bring in? I know that's what they have this little tournament for, but. It's just interesting. And what's the open zone? What is the open zone? Hang on. About to, about to tell you right now. So players finishing between 25 and 44 face potential trade or release by their team. And players finishing 45th or below are relegated out of the league. So That's, they can get they get, get released and get hit the waiver wires. Yeah. I don't see Chase getting picked up. I think Lori can you think Lori Cantor clears waivers? I don't know. I mean, is someone going to pick him up? Or I think he clears waivers and becomes a free agent. So good. So good. Andy Ogletree finishes 43rd, only played in three events. And he's going to win. He's going to win the fourth slot. So three get through the the competitive, that that, um, qualification tournament. And then I think it's Andy Ogletree is going to win the fourth slot, which comes from the Asian Tour International Series Order of Merit or whatever. So, so there's like a reserve fourth spot. Like, hey, you're not, you didn't make it, but just hang out because they've only got three spots available, right? No, and they got four. Oh, they've got four. Okay, they the got way four I, spots. I, well, the, the Q school is that said three spots. Or yeah, the, so Q the, school's three, and then the on the fourth spot is filled by the Order of Merit from the Asian oh, Tour okay. International okay. Gotcha. Series. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so I think Andy Ogletree is the one to get that spot, if I'm not mistaken. Again, I haven't like. I haven't looked at it all that hard, believe it or not. Yeah, it looks like I'm it's reading. It's weird for you not to get that involved with it. Like, I know you're so passionate about this tour, so I just, I don't know. It's just really strange that you're not into it, you know? Because I mean, I'm just worried about the Majestics, you know, we're tanking. I think we're just tanking for a high draft pick. <laughs> yeah. Toast. <laughs> hey, my Bruins just won in overtime. Is that a good thing? There you go. The range goats are looking good. Talk about a statement. I never thought I'd. I mean, that was the best offseason pickup. Looking back was Taylor Gooch moving to the range goats. That's what hurt the four aces. Yep. You know, that's got to be the, the best pickup of last offseason. Okay, we done with this? I'm done mocking it. So funny. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, what else? What else we got in the world of golf? So the PGA Tour. Just news came out. They turned down a fairly substantial offer. From the company Endeavor, who is the parent company of the WWE, the UFC, and then the IMG Sports Agency. Don't know what that means. I guess there's been a ton of people, private equity guys, trying to throw some money at the tour to get involved. Um, Well, it's very interesting because... They're looking at potentially turning it into a for-profit organization. And in taking this money, this investment, which the PJ Tour obviously needs, it would cause them to do so. The concern that I, from the little bit that I've read, is that there will be a loss of control over what they have now. 
I don't disagree that a loss of control could be scary. We don't know what that could look like and how it could change the framework of what the PGA Tour has been built off of. On the backside of that, do we need some of that? Is it an organization that is going to pledge to come in and, you know, kind of mimic what they've done that gets it, that gets over the hurdles, that gets across the finish line? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but it's a very unique situation because what comes out of it, and, and some I've read is like, well, if we do this, now we have more shareholders in the consideration and they're going to want, want a certain equation to be put together. And that equation may not have the factors that we put importance on um, right now, the tour. So it basically comes down to giving up control. I would agree to the fact that some control could easily be given up. I don't know what it looks like from saying, what is that level? What does that come down to? And I don't think we've seen what that, that ultimately is yet. I don't think the PGA tour is going to give up as much control. They're going to try not to, at least, especially the Absolutely. players, because the players are trying to get more and more. They're getting more guys on the board. They're trying to get more control as far as the actual players, as far as the execs of the PGA tour or, you know, the, what they were saying in this handshake agreement to have an agreement, essentially what it was back in June, that, you know, they were trying to sell it and, and spin it as, oh, no, we still get all the control and, you know, Yasir Al-Ramayan is only going to have one seat. We're going to have five or whatever the number was. So I, I, I don't know. And I'm not sure why they're not listening more to some of this other private equity because then there's rumors that do these people that get turned down from the PJ Tour, do, if it falls through with the Saudis and these other private equity, do they put money in with the Saudis? Do they partner up with the Saudis? Or then they have to go, the, the PJ Tour have to go crawling back to the US private equity guys. I, I just, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I mean, I'd rather get in bed with Endeavor than the Saudis. Yeah, I I read the article that or the letter that Joe Ogilvie wrote. I will say, very well written letter. The guy is a, a sharp cookie to say, you know, the very least. Um, I did find it funny that they called him the Little Commish. Uh, I just thought that was that was funny, but basically he was like, you know, if you create if you if you bring in a new partner the tour now has to act in the best interest of all parties not just the tour so it has to act in the best interest of the whatever firm fund gets involved with the tour and that may not be in line with what the framework currently looks like with the way the tour is built and what their operation consists of and that's the scary part. And it, it is scary. I get it. You know, you, giving up any control is, is a unique situation. But on the backside of that, from a fan perspective, one, we know the PGA Tour can't continue to pay out everything that they've promised for like another two or three years, and then they run out of money. They have to have a new investment coming from somewhere. I don't think they can get away with not going this route. It's all about finding the right partnership. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they've clearly shown that they need this money if they're going to have these purses and if the players are going to demand and ask for this much money of what they think they're worth. Again, I'll say it again. They're not worth what they think they're worth. But, and, and you might be right. It might be nice to have some other business minds in the room to help shape the future and business model of the PGA Tour. My well, only my only part of that, and I'm sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to interrupt no. you. I thought you were done. Um, this is going to be an unpopular opinion to some of the listeners. But this is something that we see at a lot of private country clubs that members get on boards. They don't have a history of being in the golf industry. 
they're very successful businessmen in their own rights at other and other industries and other facets. And they try to take those same strategies and put them into a different industry that just doesn't work the same way. And that I think is, is the whole issue behind it. It's tough. And it's funny. Cause like, you know, a, a company like Endeavor is in sports management. Their entire organization is around sports entertainment. And that to me is closer than I think what a lot of the other firms are going to come mm-hmm. from, from a, um, just a business structure and, and, you know, overall overarching um, strategy that they employ. So from that side, it's, it's a little bit unique. I don't know if there is going to be a perfect partner that exists. Um, I can, you got to think that there's going to be some massive hedge funds, public, uh, not actually public investment, not talking PIF, but um, the massive wall street mines that are going to get into this. But do they understand the game of golf in the way that the tour aligns with? That's where I think it's going to be very tough for them to find that that allows them to to basically keep doing what they're doing, but have the investment they need to pay off uh, what they've already promised. Yep, I agree. Those are good thoughts, Jay. That was nice. That was succinct. But yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, that was clear. That wasn't my most- I mean, Mike, you muted your mic. So I was like, okay, well, I guess we're going to go. Sorry, I was getting ready to cough. Oh, I didn't really have anything else to add to it. That's why I said, great, great comment. I think, I think you're right. <laughs> There's nothing else I could say to it. Cool. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I think there's zero chance they... They get this thing done by this deadline of the end of the year. I think yeah. it's going to get pushed back. I mean, obviously, no they don't. They don't really have to have it. I mean, twenty twenty four is going to look how twenty twenty four is going to look for both the PGA Tour and Live. Like it's it's too late now to yeah. make any changes. So you're talking any changes for the ecosystem of golf is going to be twenty twenty five. So yeah, you know, you have I don't know three, four, five, six months in 2024 to, to still figure this out and get it done before you really have to start worrying about what does 25 look like. So, yeah, but I think there's zero chance. Anything gets done by the end of the year. If at all, if at all, 2024 is already in the books. Yeah. That's already been written. Everything's already scheduled out. You can't take with, as far as the tour has to prepare in advance for these events, these host sites, um, that, yeah, and who gets into them and who qualifies for and how do you qualify? It's just like it's that's already written yeah. in stone. That's already written in stone. You can you can begin to look for that's why I don't think the deadline really matters at this point. No, it's arbitrary. The deadline's gonna gonna come and pass, and they will go through 2024 looking for a good partner that's gonna basically allow them to operate. They want to operate with the with the added investment. But at some point, you're gonna have to be able to promise some sort of growth to garner this investment, unless you just find some extremely rich person who leads a firm who's a golf nerd and says, we'll do it. I want to be a part of this. Give me a suite on the 18th hole at every event. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a part of this and I, I can, I can spare in a couple hundred million a year to do it. Um, it's, it's a, it's a daunting task, but again, I just think it's going to be tough to find I go back to the the country club analogy. There's a ton of successful people out there that love this sport and are involved in the sport, but they didn't necessarily become successful because of their involvement in the sport. And a lot of times you find guys that try to take what has been successful at Merrill Lynch, what has been successful at Pfizer, and it doesn't always translate over to the golf. Yeah. Yep. That's not a knock on any one person. No, yeah, yeah. no. different industries and there's different it's things. Just, and but just I think, you see. yeah, I mean, you, you typically see a lot of, you know, COOs, CEOs, presidents that end up playing golf. Um, and, you know, they're successful, you know, businessmen and women. And they just they're like, hey, this is this works for me. This strategy works for me and my job. And this gets it done. And I'm like, OK, well, I, I'm sure that that it, that it does in your in your department or in your, you know, line of work. But, you know, when it comes to running a golf course, a golf tour, uh, they're different, you know, 
if you have to rely on people who are involved in that, that's in that entity day in and day out. Um, yeah. So I brush my teeth every day. Doesn't mean I can yeah. be a dentist. No. Exactly right. No. I drive a car. I don't know how to change the oil. <laughs> so there's something else I was going to say regarding what you were saying, Jay, but now I forget. So I guess it wasn't important. Anyways. Probably, probably not. No. Never. Let's uh, you want to get to our picks. We actually do have an event this, this week. <laughs> Let's go, baby. The, I guess, former Mayakoba Championship. It's no longer there at that course, at least. It's the Worldwide Technology Championship, which is the most generic name I've ever heard of. <laughs> World, and they went to the world worldwide largest technology. fairways on the PGA Tour. Uh, Tiger Woods design golf course. Exactly. These are the widest. These are the widest fairways on the PGA Tour, and the biggest greens. Um, uh, you know, I don't know if they're, they just want, you know, guys to go absolutely bonkers. Well, they're going to get it. 7,400 yards, super wide fairways, super big greens. Apparently there's a bunch of different, you know, some undulation uh, on the greens with that's, it's kind of main defense outside of maybe a little, little breeze, but, um, yeah, everyone's, yeah, everyone's expecting these guys to go, to go low. Um, so we shall see. You're hot. You want to go? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll spit them off. Uh, oh, on that on that note, I'm I'm going with guys who can make birdies. Uh, I've I've sprinkled a couple of guys that just tip historically make a lot of birdies, and then some guys that are bombers. Um, so I will uh, I'll start at the bottom. A lot of mid tier guys for me this week. Uh, Mr. Callum Taren playing. You know, some pretty good golf last last three weeks, uh, actually four weeks, I should say, uh, seventh at the 40 net and then 43rd, 23rd, 31st, playing good golf, hits it a mile, um, makes a ton of birdies. Just one of those guys that if you if you take double and bogey out of play, you know, what does this guy shoot? And I, I, you're, you'll I'm, I feel like you'll see the tr- same trend for the remainder of the guys on the list there. A bump up to. 7,700 Davis Riley. Um, I don't know if Davis is super long, but he's been playing some good golf and his uh, his price range matched up at 7,700 bucks. And then I'd go up to KH Lee. Played great at uh, TPC Craig, Ryan, Craig Ranch. Uh, wider fairways. Um, good greens. He's He won there twice. So uh, I feel like this could be a good setup for him. Uh then Cam Champ, I've got him in there. Same thing. One of the longest guys on tour. Give him some big wide fairways. Let's see how many birdies you can make and, and put yourself in the mix. Kevin Mitchell, another guy who bombs it. Um, but you know, for the most part, pretty, pretty well-rounded game. Um, he finished 21st at the Zozo, so playing some some decent golf as well. And then my highest price guy is not a household name, but a guy who has played some really good golf and shot some really, really low numbers on easier golf course, golf courses, uh, Steven Yeager. Uh, he's priced at uh, 10200 So kind of a unique lineup. I wanted to try to get um, the Galar, Cam Young, or Aberg in there, but they were just too high, um, too high up for me to kind of sneak them in there. But I, I do think the, those three guys will play well, but um, I couldn't get them in, couldn't get them in my, my lineup. So. We'll see. We'll see how these guys pan is, out. But yeah, I'm going for the bombers. Who, is who Kev, Kevin Mitchell? Is Kevin Mitchell's Keith's brother? Is he in the field? Did I say Kevin Mitchell? He sure shit did. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why I said Kevin Mitchell. I I've got Keith Mitchell. We didn't know why you said it either. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Kevin Mitchell. I was, uh, I was looking at Mike. I'm like Kevin. Keith Mitchell's twin. Kevin. Is it Kevin Mitchell? <laughs> yeah, the fall season brings out all sorts of people. Yeah. I'm looking at his picture right now on, on DraftKings, too, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe he looks like a Kevin right it now. He just looks like a Kevin. He looks like <laughs> yeah. a Kevin. He just you looks make, like a Kevin. You meant Kevin McAllister. That's who you meant. <laughs> I'm getting ready for Christmas. Mm, Home alone. I love it. Keith Mitchell. Sorry. Keith Mitchell. There you go. Oh, all okay. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Keith Mitchell. Oh, got it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go. 
since there's a couple of names that we have similar, Jay, it seems like we always do. We're just good pickers. Hmm. Similar pickers. Uh, <laughs> so I will start at my bottom. I'm going to go 7,100 uh, Harry Hall. Just been kind of playing steady. Oh. Um, oh. Just steady, steady golf from Mr. Harry Hall. Then I go up to 7,400. Guy who hits it a long ways, uh, Nick Hardy. Then I will go to Callum Taron, another guy who hits it a long ways, like UJ, 7,600. Has been playing well. Do you mean like me, Jay, like I hit it long like Callum, or do you mean like just that? Like, I you, like you picked him. Like you picked oh, him. Okay. I was just checking. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you hit it longer than me. Uh, well, the, that's, that's not, not hard to do, lot. though. Yeah. That's not saying a lot. But. So then I will go to um, Kevin's brother, Keith Mitchell, who's also on my team. <laughs> I can't believe I really said Kevin Mitchell. You said it with confidence, too. <laughs> I got him at 8,800 for the reasons Jay stated. Jay, Jay gave the reasons for Kevin, but that's the same reasons for Keith. Oh, good, good. That's weird. Their price is the same. Price the exact same. And uh, then I go up to JJ Spawn. He's just kind of, he's at what, a, a T11 at uh, 40 net, top 10 at yes. Zozo. I just, I like him to to fill it up, light the lamp. Uh, I had him in my lineup for a little bit too. I just couldn't make this it work. weekend. And then I'm going to go, my top dog is 9,600 bomber. I'm waiting for his breakout. Uh, but Thomas Dietrich. Oh, yeah. He could put the up. Deet. Some low low numbers, and so I like I like him this weekend. Nice. I do like the Jaeger pick, by the way, Jay. I'll say that he's going to make birdies. Going to make birdies. That's what he does. Great stuff, boys. Great. All right, let's hear the power rankings. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna start from the bottom. Now I'm here with <laughs> Tyler Duncan. 7,200. Friend it's of the Tim pod. Duncan's brother? It's someone's brother. Last name Duncan. Uh, <laughs> I have friend of the pod, Mr. Lonto Griffin. Yeah. Moving up from there, I've got uh, Finger Snaps himself. Guy I've played a decent amount of golf. Jesson? Jesson Hadley. Yuck. Yuck. Hey, not to stop you in the middle of the picks, but I played with Lonto on Monday and the Kenlock Pro Am. We we played eighteen holes, and then we went out for an E nine. Uh, he's swinging good. He is swinging good. So yeah, I, I do that. I do like that pick. He was he was swinging good. He made a couple of birdies. No pain in the back. Uh, same old Lonto swinging good. So I'm pulling for Lonto this week too. I just didn't pick him, but go keep 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 going. All right. Sorry. Finger snap, 7,600. Um, then I go to the bomber, Cameron Champ, 7,800. Then I go to the bomber, Luke List, 9,000. Then I go to the Ooh. win, Ludwig Aber. Oh, oh you fit to. him in there, you had little to. dog, you. Had to. I mean, the guy's going to break through. What better place to do it in a, a field that has almost nobody else playing? And he I can, agree. He can shoot nothing too. I agree. I think he you're right. I think I do think he's going to win. I'm probably going to put some some shankles on uh, Aberg this week. Shankles, shackles, Kevin, Keith, whatever, whatever. Yeah, I hear you. Tomato, I'll tomato. <laughs> I'll put some tomatoes or tomatoes on him. Well, you're going to have to pick one. <laughs> DraftKings only takes one. <laughs> It won't uh, be DraftKings. You're not FanDuel. Not FanDuel either. Screw those both of those people. Oh wow. He's gone what's, offshore. What's, what's your He's uh, gone offshore? He's bravado. You, you bet MGM? Where are you, where are you I think I'm going bet MGM now from here on out. Yeah. Okay. Definitely not FanDuel. You're hundred percent right on that. FanDuel. I haven't tried bet MGM yet. I need to. FanDuel is uh, if they're the worst. They're the absolute worst. I need, you know, I need another platform that can spread out all these like five and ten dollar bets on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm overloading DraftKings. 
Uh, I had a big parlay going yesterday, and I lost with the Panthers win, which I'm a Panthers fan, but even I couldn't bet on them. And they decide to squeak this one out. Yeah, they covered. They covered. They they're they're terrible. They're, they're terrible. awful. They're awful. Yeah, not that was uh not a great not a great draft pick. Nothing against Mr. Bryce, but uh he, well, here's the thing. Here's the problem that we're finding now. You know, for the longest time you would draft a top QB, but he would spend two to three years behind an NFL QB. Sure. And learn his way. Now, all of a sudden, if you draft a top QB early, you're forced to put him in first game and let him run without actually having some time to learn the speed of the game. You know, these guys used to get in third and fourth quarter when the team was up pretty big. They got to see the speed of the game. They got to learn a little bit from a veteran that was in front of them. But there's just not a lot of great QBs out there right now. So well, these name, guys thrust into the front. Name one QB in the last 25 years that has been drafted as a number one draft pick and come in and been a rock star and led them, led a team to uh, a championship or a deep playoff run. I mean, I'm sure there is one or two, maybe, but I can't think of any that just stand out like, Oh, there's these four or five guys. It just doesn't happen. So it's like, they keep doing they keep repeating themselves over and over and over. I'm like, you know that it doesn't work. Why do Everyone's you keep... just so desperate for a quarterback? Yeah. Well, just draft a guy, bring in a, a, a vet like an Andy Dalton. Like, let him let him just play. Let, I mean, he is the I mean, he's there right now, right? Is Andy Dalton at Carolina? Where is where the hell is Andy Dalton? Uh, is he their yes. backup? Yes. Yeah, just let him play the year and let let Bryce just learn. Andy Dalton's He's been in the league for 15 years. Like the guy knows what he's doing. You know, I'm not going to say he's a. Yes. You know, he, but he was, he was an all pro quarterback. I think one or two years, for a couple of years. Yeah. So yeah, just let this guy play. You're not going to win this year. Maybe you still finish at the bottom. You get another, a couple more draft picks and you bring in a couple, you know, you know, offensive linemen to just share things up. Maybe bring in a running back. I don't know. Uh, well, and think, a couple of receivers. You don't have any of those either at Carolina. But give 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 Bryce the opportunity to learn from somebody's been there. Teach him, like you said, the speed of the game. Every great quarterback that we've seen that has come out on the on the other end has had that one, two, three years of of learning from a veteran. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Peyton. Well, I don't know about Peyton. Did he? I think he I think started he, right away. Peyton's one of the few guys. I mean, one of the few that came in and they just they just said, "Hey, this guy's an all star. He's going to suck." And he didn't play well his first year, but they were like, mm-hmm. "We're going to stick with him." He did not have the uh, his first year was not good. So, no, it was if you've got a if you've got a organization, there were a lot of players. I mean, Tom Brady wasn't hot his first year. No, he didn't play at all his first he year. He was a fourth point. point. He, he was, was the fourth, fourth string quarter, fourth quarterback. string quarterback. My the only point. reason he got a chance to play is the second year, and that just came towards the second half of the year when Bledsoe got hurt. He worked his way up to second string, and Bledsoe was the man, the man. They had just signed Bledsoe to a like ten year franchise contract. Yeah, mm. I think it was one of the richest in, in NFL history at the time. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, and Mo, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what they do there, at Carolina. I mean, we're we pull for Carolina in in Central Virginia, but it's been tough to tough to pull for them as of late. But no, you're you are exactly right. I mean, and look, Carolina's trying to put a couple of good players on there. The Adam Thielen uh, trade was a good trade for them. Um, but then you're exactly right. Let Andy Dalton run this for a year or two. Let Bryce Young get up to speed. I mean, I can promise you, Andy Dalton wouldn't be one at six. I can tell no, you no, no. He no. He, he knows. He knows how to play. He knows how to win. He's he's he. His first couple of years, he went to the playoffs every year when he was at Cincy. Yeah, I mean, they were good. They, I mean, he knows how to. I mean, I'm not saying he knows how to win a championship. He never did that, but he definitely knows how to run a good, a winning organization and a winning team. He knows how to win games. He knows. He knows what it takes and. Yeah, you start building on that confidence, like as as he's in there, you just tell him, right? Hey, I know you're at the tail end of your career. You're going to start. Let's teach this guy how to do this thing. This is your job. 
you know? Well, and they're not letting Bryce Young run. They're forcing him in the pocket full time. Yeah. I had a pick. I, I had a parlay that got broken up the other week because I saw a bet. I'm like, Bryce Young has at least eight yards rushing. I'm like, well, that's a that's done. He had yeah. six. He had yeah. six. <laughs> you got a guy that's fast, can run around a little bit. Let him get out there and do it. Let him make some plays. They're forcing him in yeah. the pocket. And ultimately, the team's just not set up well for him. It's just I, he did great at Alabama. He's a good football player. He's just not in the best situation at Carolina right now. No, Carolina I agree. Situation. I don't think David Tepper is just, I think, feels so much pressure to try and do something in his tenure as owner because he's done nothing but drive the team into the ground that they're like, yeah, you got to get Bryce out there immediately. We need our superstar. And now it's like, man, you're just killing the guy. Stop. The sell tickets and T-shirts. Yeah, and it, and it makes it. It's almost it's it's worse. It makes the guy look incompetent when really he's obviously he's a great player. I don't know if he's going to be a superstar there, but he, you're not giving him you know the best opportunity to succeed with the strategy that you have set up right now for sure. I agree. I agree. I didn't see an eight minute discussion on the Carolina Panthers in our future. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how much go. That's how much is going on in the world of golf right now. <laughs> What's the record? I mean, One I mean, Kevin Mitchell is even playing this week. <laughs> Not good. Not good. Yeah. So, if anyone's still here, <laughs> we thank you for tuning in, gentlemen. That was a pleasure, as always. Go check, out, go check out Joe Mayo and Parker McLaughlin and uh, James Ridyard and a bunch of fantastic short game coaches online and let us know what you think about 10 degrees down. Yeah, so, 10 degrees. Uh, me- 10 mess degrees. around with it. Mess around with it. Let us know what you think. So uh, without further ado, gents, we'll be back uh, next week. Cheers. Later. Later.